<laughs> That's the producer Sam on Fourteen Catholic. I'm not sure how I feel about this idea. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, this is Taylor's role here, your wonderful host of Forte Catholic in the studio with producer Sam as always. Producer Sam, how are you? Pretty good. I got to do the what's up, which has been a dream of mine since 1982. Uh, you weren't born then, and also you just told me about this dream about three minutes ago, so I don't think it was really... Was it really something you've always wanted to do? No, I don't think so, but then it became like, oh, maybe it's my new dream. Yeah, you know? you're, 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 just a, you're just such a helper because... <laughs> I'm a little under the weather today. I know. I'm, I'm like, sorry. I don't know if I should just be yelling or or doing a radio show for that matter. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I want to just be at home in bed. But, you know, the listeners would uh, would just riot if we didn't do a show this week, Sam. I think so. I think you're right. I was gone last week. The listeners didn't notice because I recorded two shows before I left. But I was gone in Detroit last week. Did you miss me? Yes. <laughs> She said confidently. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask me a question, but of course, yes. Of course I'm asking you questions. You're, you're the host of the show today. I mean, you oh. did the entrance, so it's all you today. That's awkward. We didn't talk about that before the show started. Well, you see, I talked about it, but you had your headphones on and you were running the music into your headphones and you couldn't hear anything I said and you definitely were nodding your head up and down, bouncing to the music. So you definitely agreed to lead today's show. So what are we talking about today? Um... We're going to talk about your trip to Detroit, and we're going we're gonna to have a guest speaker, I think. And a guest speaker. What is this, a live event? <laughs> yes, it is a live event <laughs> brought to you by Forte Catholic. Um, and then we're going to do another cool thing in the third segment. I really have no idea what's yes, going on. Even though we, I, you definitely, I just definitely just walked through the entire show with you, and you're like, okay, <laughs> and you're like, I don't remember <laughs> any of it whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to do anything. But I, here's the main reason: I didn't even plan this, but I just have to thank you, Sam, uh, because you attempting to lead the show should just make people more thankful for me. <laughs> <laughs> so give to Patreon if you want Taylor Schroll to keep being the host. If we're not at $65 by next week, Sam's running the show. And you will I suffer. I quit. I quit. Uh, it's like those segments that I have to produce when you're not here. I'm like producing and running the show. Like that's one of the goals is like let's pay producer Sam so that Taylor never ever has to produce a segment by himself because they've been pretty rough. And I think me hosting a show would be pretty rough, too. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just as good. All right. I think we have our new Twitter poll. What would be worst? Taylor <laughs> producing a show oh, while, no. while hosting or Sam Sam produce, or Sam hosting a show whilst producing? So, well, you know, I feel like this could be really hurtful really quickly. But, you know, it's fine. Give your honest opinion. <laughs> I just might cry. It's fine. No big deal. It's okay. We I won't tell you the results till we're live on the air next week, so we get your perfect reaction. Perfect. We're we're very uh, very loving here at Forte Catholic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're here, we're here recording in the Red Sea Radio Galactic Studios, centered in College Station, Texas. It's a great day for everybody but me. I'm exhausted. I think this trip to Dallas, or not Dallas, where did I go? I went to Detroit. Detroit, that's the other one. So I definitely did fly through Dallas to, <laughs> to go there. Um, I also, ironically enough, on the flight, 
which I had to wake up at like three in the morning for. It was That's terrible. Gross. Uh, so we're flying. I fly from here to Dallas, which if you've ever flown out of the College Station Airport, it's like the cutest thing in the world. There's there's really two terminals. Tiny. Have you flown out of here? I've never flown out, but I've gone in to like measure my like suitcase, and you can see like you can just see all the way. Wait, 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 there. wait! You did what? <laughs> I've gone in to like measure your suitcase. For to what end? So it's like not too heavy or like not too big. So Have like you never done that? You're flying out of Houston, but you go to College Station's airport to measure your bags. Well, okay, it's before I left for Canada, and I didn't want it to be too heavy. And have to take something out. I'd rather know what I need to take out now. This this is fascinating. I've <laughs> never heard of anybody crazy enough to do what you do. I've never even thought of this. So, so I I've gone to an airport, and I think the the baggage limit was fifty fifty pounds, right? right? And I had like fifty two and a half pounds. So I just I was like, all right, I just took some stuff out of my suitcase put it in my backpack that was on my back because that's where backpacks go stupid taylor this is what happens when taylor's exhausted uh, I, i'm leading the show like sam would <laughs> you're welcome ouch this is this is hurtful and i'm <laughs> it's like that segment that you weren't here and i just kind of made fun of you the whole time well, and now, now i'm here now you're here so so let's stop that <laughs> taylor you're so mean uh so anyway look i just took like Two and a half pounds with this. I was like, I would just start. I took out a shirt, 20, 52 and point one pounds. I took out another uh, shoes, you know, like put it all in my backpack and it was fine. I've never gone to a different airport <laughs> to measure my luggage. You're an, ins- you don't have a scale at home? Well, I was just afraid it was going to be off and I had to do it in a different measurement than pounds. And so I was just afraid. I just wanted it to be exact. So wait, when you flew, when you flew to Canada, Right. They made you measure it in something not pounds? Right, because I flew through Air Canada, so everything was different. Right, but you left from America. Right. This is America. We should be using pounds. You would think. We're actually going to be talking about that later. In our, <laughs> in our third segment, we're going to be talking about Canada a bit. Because oh, Canada, our home and native land. No, it's not my native land. Oh, or yours. You lived there mine. for two years? Uh, nine months. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I, I'm a. I know your life so well. We're so we're very close as individuals. So we're, we're definitely going to be talking about Canada in the third segment. Canada Day was last week. I literally stood like 200 yards away from Canada, and I, I have some thoughts. Uh, our friends over at the the Catholic Coaster, uh, the Coaster Podcast. Mm-hmm. There are Canadian friends, and they did an episode this last week and uh, used my name in vain multiple times. So we're going to address that in the third segment. Uh, but, I mean, it was a, it was a cool trip. Go, going to Detroit, I got to see Canada, which is crazy. I've only ever been to Mexico as another country. I've never even seen another country. So this is only my third country to ever see. Wow. So I'm not even sure if the rest of them exist. I'm like one of those flat earth people. It's like you can't <laughs> prove that Germany exists. I've I was never born seen there. It. Ger- I was born in Germany. I don't, so it exists. I, I don't know that. You don't I've, know if I've, I was born in Germany? Are you... I didn't see it. I wasn't there. Oh, goodness. Good thing today's the feast day of St. Thomas, right? Isn't today the doubter? The doubter. <laughs> I, I'm d- is, is the earth flat? Does Germany <laughs> exist? These are the questions we'll tackle on Forte Catholic today. Uh, I'm a, there's some 
cool stuff that happened in my trip to Detroit. There's some crazy things that happened in my trip to Detroit. Uh, so we're going to talk about all of those because that's what the Catholic life is. It's exciting and insane. So yeah, and we're also going to have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of sanity with our guest. What did you call him? A guest speaker. We're going to have uh, yes. a guest speaker today. Our guest speaker. Our, our guest, actually, ironically enough, is a professional speaker. His name is Rich Curran. I got to meet him. Uh, few months ago no i guess it was like a year ago a little over a year ago now um awesome guy doing some great stuff for like parish success um a lot of the things that he taught us when i went to that training session we are implementing into our ministry awesome awesome dude uh so i look forward to talking with him all right here we go trip to detroit yes you were you were at the College Station Airport. That's where we started. I was at the College Station Airport very early in the morning. Which, by the way, it's very hard to get breakfast in this town at three three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I think by the time I got, I, I found a subway that was open at four o'clock in the morning, and there, like all the people were that work there were sitting. It's the only twenty four hour subway in town, and I walk up and they're all sitting outside, like hanging out. And I walk up and they're like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be here. <laughs> but, just, just feed me, but, please. Uh, I have to leave, so give me food. It was really weird. Uh, flew to Dallas. As I was flying from Dallas to Detroit, the I always have my headphones in. Like I don't want to talk to people on planes. I don't want to hear what the safety people have to say. Which, by the way, I actually thought about this. You know, like when you're on a plane, they're always doing like that safety presentation. What kind of person are you? Are the are you the person that listens? Oh, yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Why are you listening? Just in case the plane flies down and I need to remember, if you hear it lots of times, maybe in panic, you will remember as you're crashing down to the ground. Here's my theory. Okay. If your plane crashes, it doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> maybe. I, I always thought seat belts on a plane were the dumbest thing ever. I uh, definitely j- never wear them. Uh, like the people will walk by and be like, put on your seatbelt and now clip it. And then they'll walk away and I'll unclip it. I'm like, what is this going to do? Right. Uh, well, it's going to keep people like me safe from when the plane crashes and then your body comes out of the seat and breaks my neck or something. Uh, uh, is, is that, those are the things you think about. Those I, are the things I, I think See, I don't about. care. Here's my other theory. Here's my other theory. <laughs> okay. I don't need to listen to what they say because I've heard it a couple of times and I'm not a child and I don't need to hear it a bunch more times like you do. Um, okay. Also, like for exit rows and for all of these, like here's the other thing why I don't think I need a seatbelt. You know how high you're up in the air? There's a long time between where you are and the ground. I can definitely put my seatbelt on in that <laughs> span of time. Also, <laughs> I could probably read the entire safety manual in that time. I mean, it's fairly obvious. You know, like, uh, oxygen mass drops from the air right in front of your face. What should I do with it? Oh, maybe I should put it on my mouth. <laughs> or it's more like you might think, I need to help Sam before I put my own on. But you have to put yours on first. I know. That's how this works. I have to put mine on first. And then uh, apparently you and I will never fly together because that would... Have we flown together? Did we fly to... Oh, yeah. We flew to Memphis together. Yes. Well, no. No, you were on a different plane. I was you? on a different... I've never flown with you. You didn't but we've fly been to California? Sa- we've, no, because I flew in late. That's crazy. We've, we've been gone, in the same we've places. We've gone to multiple far cities together. We've never flown together. It's probably for the best wow. for both of us. Uh, and the other, like, okay, you're in an exit row. 
I love sitting in exit row because I'm large and have long legs. And they're like, oh, can you handle, can you handle this? Yes. I mean, it's a door. You just open it. There's literally instructions on the door on how to open said door. Even if I had never heard the instructions before and we're going down, I can look to my left and be like, oh, okay. I pull this lever and then pull this latch and then push. Got it. (laughs) I don't need to listen to these instructions. Anyway, I wasn't listening, but for some odd reason, like two thirds of the way between the two thirds of the way there to Detroit. The guy, the pilot comes on, he says, and I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, there's, this is an odd time to be talking to people. Like, you should be flying your plane. And so <laughs> I, I pause my headphones and he says, oh, like for no reason whatsoever. He says, we're currently flying over Fort Wayne, Indiana right now. And like no other information. It's like, uh, okay. I was like, that's cool. I guess it's nice to, I like knowing where I am in a plane. But what's interesting is that our, our friend of the show, Kyle Hyman, who's been on the show before, that's where he lives and does his radio show. He's been oh. on my show. I've been on his show. So I think that the Holy Spirit inspired the, the pilot of the plane. He, it's one of those things. It's like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel the urge to, and I feel called to. He definitely <laughs> okay. did because that was life affirming to me. And I, texted kyle when i got got to detroit i was like i just flew over you and he's like cool <laughs> you know like what else do you say it was just an odd it was just an odd thing so all right i'm gonna talk about my first map like first thing i did there got there went and had some nice nice barbecue actually i was actually very impressed like wow. she was like they took me there because they were like first of all we have really good barbecue in downtown detroit and we want to see how the texan feels about our barbecue and i was actually thoroughly impressed it was very oh. very very impressive the I mean the next morning, so we're there. Go eat dinner, go to sleep. I g- wake up and go to mass. It's one of those odd masses that I'm <laughs> definitely going to have to talk about. Oh no! Uh, we'll do that in our final segment. It's a little radio tease for you. Uh, but I had a great time throughout the week with the young people. That was just an awesome group of kids. And like my role for this, I was leading. Oh, I didn't even say why I was there <laughs> for for like 14 minutes into the show. I was leading worship for this mission trip called Young Neighbors in Action. It's put on by the Center for Ministry Development. They put these on all over the country throughout the summer. And it's a service trip. So h- how they do it, it's actually quite trusting. They hire people from around the country to come in and lead these things. They give you a manual like, hey, here's what we want you to do. You agree to do this. Cool. Go do it. So there's a program director, which is kind of like the quote-unquote youth minister for the week. Like, they're giving the talks. They're kind of the person that's in charge. Uh, they have a prayer and music coordinator, which is what I did. So I'm there to, to lead worship, to provide music, to uh, help the kids, like, engage in prayer. Like, there's different groups that will help me with morning prayer and evening prayer. Uh, and there's, like, the site coordinator that's, that's coordinating all of, like, where we're staying, where we're serving, all these kinds of things. Great team. I love my team this year. It was probably one of my best years, if not the best year I've ever served with Young Neighbors in Action. The kids were also great. So, so here's my, like, they all come with their youth ministers and parents, uh, volunteers from their churches. It's like my role is really, really just the prayer and music. And like, we'll travel around and go visit, go visit their work, work sites throughout the day. But I don't have that big of a role. So a lot of times it's like the kids, like they already know each other. They're mingling with each other. Like I haven't really connected with a group of young people at this event like this before. Like, you know, being in youth ministry here in town you get to know the kids you get to hang out with them like we're all living the same community like i don't know any of these people 
But this group of kids, it was just one of those interesting things. Like I connected with them. They connected with me. We had so much fun. Like, like every time they were playing games, like they were playing apples to apples or something like in the evening, they were like, hey, come play with us. And like, I would sometimes. And then the other times I was like, oh, I'm exhausted. You people are tiring me. <laughs> um, a group of them renamed me Eric for, what? F- for reasons that I don't even understand. But it was one of those things that it just stuck. So I was Eric to half of the group uh, throughout most of the week. Okay. Which is interesting because I was like, oh, like I told them about like my moles on my head being named. You know, we've got Phyllis and Penelope. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you want to just name one of my moles? They're like, no, that's not good enough. You're Eric. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. So all throughout the week, hey, Eric. I'm like, hey, how are Like I got used to being called Eric. <laughs> and I responded as Eric. I was in a Snapchat group with a group of the guys. And uh, what's crazy to me, we had some pretty funny conversations in there. Um they named the group in Snapchat Taylor Cries During Star Wars, <laughs> which is insane to me because they have no idea. I did not tell them. We didn't talk about Star Wars. They have no idea that I actually do cry during Star Wars. I cried in Last Jedi with Lucas telling Leia bye. I cried during Star Wars Rebels, which is a cartoon, Samantha. It's a cartoon. And I definitely cried multiple times and they figured it out. I did something that I never do. I went hiking in Detroit. I went hiking. I went outside, Sam. That's something that you and I don't do much. We don't. And I was just very glad that uh, when I went hiking, I didn't see any bears. Because, like, you're up north and you're in the woods and, like, bears are fast. And I used to be fast, but I'm not as fast anymore. So I'm thankful that I didn't see any fast bears in the woods. We'll be right back with our final segment for the day. That's a lie. It's not the final segment. <laughs> We're going to recut that. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to the show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, search for Tay Catholic, Scroll down to review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am very excited for today's guest. He's a man that I met when he came to do a youth minister's training for the Diocese of Austin. He flew down all the way from the north of the United States. I drove from Bryan, Texas over to Austin to hear this guy speak. And I tell you what, I told him this at the time. And I'll tell him again, it was the, the single best youth ministry training event, like one day event that I've ever been to. His name is Rich Curran. Rich, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. Thanks, Taylor. And thanks for having me on. And uh, welcome to uh, all the listeners as well. Yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to having you on for quite some time. I just asked you like yesterday and you're like, yeah, sure, I could come on tomorrow. You've been on my list of people to get on my show ever since I met you, and for some reason I just never reached out, and then I did, and here you are, and I couldn't be happier. So I, I do want to let 
to give you a chance to let people get to know you a bit, the work that you are doing. But first, I figured the best way that we can start is that I went and took your bio off of your website. I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever read. Here it is. My name is Rich Curran, and I am a full-time jet-setting currently discerning my top 10 airport gift shops, fun-loving, or so my wife tells me, self-appointed Play-Doh sculpting champion and Catholic itinerant speaker. So how much of that is true? Uh, I would say most of it. Uh, come on now, there you have been, what adult does not want to just play with Play-Doh, right? You know, so, uh, and uh, I do spend an awful lot of time in airports. So, uh yeah, I make a list of my favorites. <laughs> so what does it take to become a Play-Doh sculpting champion? Like, how are you judged? Uh, well, uh, to be a Play-Doh sculpting champion, uh, you have to be your own judge. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, and uh, when you are the only entry, uh, it's it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I only play games where I'm in charge so that I will always win. That's my kind of guy, Rich. Yeah. Uh, so we, we got we got that version of you. Uh, who are you and what do you do, man? Uh, well, I... Uh, I'm, I'm, by title, anyway, I am the executive director and the founder of Parish Success Group. Uh, we are based out of Appleton, Wisconsin, but we have coaches all over the United States. And uh, Parish Success Group is a uh, Catholic 501c3 uh, entity that trains um, leaders in parishes, dioceses, and schools, uh, not so much on the theological side of ministry, but more so on the leadership, organizational planning, management. Uh, how do you scale it? How do you multiply it? How do you get it to grow? And how do you let it sustain itself? That that side of ministry. Yeah, I, I said at the, at the top of the interview, I was just so uh, encouraged and gained so much knowledge and, and uh, wisdom from hearing you speak uh, for this one-day event over in the, at the Diocese of Austin. And you addressed a bunch of issues like, Hey, look, like we know that there are people that are, are leaving the church in, in large numbers, like something's not going right. We need to change something. We need to do something. We need to improve. We need to, to grow as leaders, um, within the church. And you mentioned some of the things. So here's what I really want to ask you. I'm stumbling over my words, but why did you get into this line of work? What, what did you see that, that made you realize I need to start Pair Success Group. Well, it was a it was a long journey. It's not something I never sought to start a nonprofit. In fact, I looked to join one and uh, realized nobody was doing what we're doing, uh, and really nobody still today is. Now there are variations of it out there, and in the Catholic school world, there are various consultants uh, out there and things like that. But as far as Going to a parish and being boots on the ground and actually working side by side, uh, sending one of our coaches out to work with them. Nobody's doing that. Um, it really started. I, I was, as uh, you may know, I, I was a national speaker for many, many years doing all of these conferences for young adults and adults and parish missions and youth conferences. I did the Diocese of Austin's youth conference a couple times. And so would go and do these conferences, and especially with youth conferences, maybe not as much with adults, but you see the genuine excitement. They got all, 
you know, quote, fired up, uh, which is always an odd term, but, you know, they get really excited about being there and they enjoy the, the, the day or the weekend or whatever it happens to be. NCYC, it's a, a four day thing and a conference, but they were going home to ministry that was uh, ordinary at best and to parishes that were uh, often lifeless instead of life-giving. Uh, and as I continued to hear from adults, I was doing these conferences and one uh, conference after another, they kept saying, would you do a session for adults? Would you do a session for adults? Would you do a session for leaders or for priests or deacons or whatever it is? Um, that's where kind of it started to turn to say, you know, we really need to find a solution and uh, the original idea, honestly, started on a cocktail napkin at a national <laughs> conference. And I started asking, I was sitting around the table with about 15 diocesan directors from around the country, asking them if we had to build the ideal minister today, what are the skills that you would want that minister to possess? And as the conversation started to evolve, it was things like, well, you know, they're going to they, they have to be a great communicator and they have to be really organized. And, well, you know, they're going to have to know how to fundraise because nobody's going to give you the money. And they're going to have to, you know, know how to um, market whatever programs that they're doing. They're going to have to know how to organize an army of volunteers. And, and these were all business type skills. And I said, well, who of you are doing that? What training are you offering in your diocese? And it was universal. Not a single one was doing anything. Well, that's really where it all started and uh, the drafting. And then it was a long process because uh, I knew I would have to start this with our personal savings. And I've been in ministry my whole life. And so um, that was a long period of discernment. And So you started with $3. <laughs> uh, only a hair more than that. But, uh, we finished our first year with a dollar and 17 cents. There you go. Um, and, but the Lord continues to bless and, uh, multiply and we're growing and you know praise the lord for that and more importantly the parishes are growing so yeah it's it's a fascinating thing because i've been working in the church for a long time and i was uh my one of my majors in college was music industry so it was primarily music and then a lot of business classes and it's like there are these tenets of good leadership and good business that it's just like oh no we work for the church. Like we're not a business. We don't need to grow in that. And it's like, no, we absolutely do. Like if we want to be successful at our mission, we need to implement a lot of those same similar types of things. And that's what uh, it sounds like you and, and pair success group are doing because it's like, you know, GM, their goal is to sell cars, to sell electronics, and they have to use the methods that will accomplish that goal. Like if we want to live out the Great Commission, we have to use this, those same kind of tools just for a different goal of leading people to Christ and to his church. So what are some of the things that you're doing that are helping these dead parishes come to life? Well, I think uh, we, we obviously have a process that we, we take a parish through. Typically, it lasts about a year, maybe sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. But in general, it's about a year. And the first wave of that is really just getting organized. I, I always use the analogy. It's kind of like um, uh, when you got to clean the garage or, or sometimes uh, my wife is a big fan of the TV show Hoarders. And if you notice on that TV show, the first thing that they do is actually – 
uh, just get everything organized. We're going to put all the T-shirts over here. We're going to put the books over here. We're going to put dishes in this corner. We're, and let's just let's just start to get things organized. We're not going to get rid of anything. We're not going to add anything. We're just going to get organized. And so the first wave of it is there is so much activity happening at so many parishes. And it never ceases to amaze me how many even pastors, but certainly staff and pastoral councils, finance councils, don't know all of the activities that are going on, and they don't even know what they do and what their purpose is. So the first wave is just let's get organized and let's clearly identify everything that we're doing for this purpose so that we get a handle on what we're currently doing and what we're not doing. And, and we do it. The big difference, I think, that that parish success group brings to the table is most parishes, when they try to get organized, they get a group of their parishioners together. This is in the book that I had written last year. They get a group of their parishioners together and they start asking them what we really like and what we don't like and what we think we need to do. And, and while all of that feedback is fine, there's a major part that's missing. And this is where, where the, our coaching comes in. To a certain extent, it really doesn't matter what the parishioners want um, because what's more important is what the church has been asking us to do. And so instead of asking people what they want and let's go do this, unintentionally what you're doing is you're making the church into your own image and likeness. Unintentionally. Nobody sets out to do that. But when you ask that question, people answer the question of what they hear is this is what I like. And so let's do more of what I like and less of what we don't like. Unfortunately, what they should be asking is what is the church asking us to do and how do we measure up against that? So that's really the first wave. And then based upon what we find, we build from there and we say, we're not going to worry about what we can't do. You know, if you have space restrictions, that's not the place to start. Let's build up what we can. And, and we start separating out. We look at demographics. And if you have a large young adult population, let's work on that. Or if you have a youth and you're only reaching 10 percent, we got to get those numbers up. So let's start a strategy to do that. And so but it's on site and it's a lot of dialogue and including the adult faith community and all the councils in the process. I mean, it sounds like an amazing process. Like it's I'm listening to it and I'm fascinated. I've heard you tell some of these stories uh, before just in, in conversation and in your training. And it definitely helped us as a ministry become more organized to get better at planning. I remember, I'll always remember one of the things that you said is that most of us that, that are in ministry, or even just like with our per- personal faith life, we go ready, fire, aim, right? Where it's just like, hey, we're just busy. We're doing all this stuff. It's like, hey, we just need to 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 fire this arrow off, but you're trying to get us to take a step back, look and say, okay, ready, aim. What is our aim? What are these demographics? Where do we need to hit? Where do we need to grow? Where do we need to improve? And then we can set out to go do that plan. You mentioned your books called We Lack for Nothing, The Five Essentials to Grow the Church. And your your ministry is primarily set out to help those that are in ministry, youth ministers, pastors, DREs, parish staffs, uh, what can a lot of people that listen to the show do work in ministry, but but many don't? Um, what would you say to parishioners that what that see that they're in a parish that either a, a dead parish or a parish that definitely could be better, which I think is probably all of them? What is the is our role as as parishioners in this process? Well, the the simple answer to the question is that all, all of the baptized 
share responsibility in the uh, in the growth and the multiplication of a church. Um, where many parishes are functioning in an older model, where father you know father does everything or the staff does everything, and we'll just kind of send you some money and good luck with that. And or um, you know you need some more catechists. Well, they didn't have a fifth grade one, so I guess I'll do it. Um, what we do uh, right away in the coaching is actually try to teach the staff um, it's not your job to do everything. There are people in the pews who have professional skills and professional talents that the church needs. And we need to utilize their expertise. And sometimes it's teaching the staff. Um, you need to be quiet and you need to let the people in the pews teach you or teach us how they could do it. They, there are so many talented, talented people in our pews that would love to help, but they don't really feel like they have a place. And and so, uh, you know, to, to the listeners who are there and they're kind of wondering or maybe hoping, uh, you know, if, if you see that communication, let's say, is just not good at your local uh, church or school, but that's your background um, continually being an advocate, that's part of our baptized responsibility. It's not to be passive. Uh, Pope Francis, down in, in the World Youth Day in Brazil, told the young church, and the young church for the rest of the world actually means young adults, not teenagers. And he told the young church, your job is to disrupt the status quo. I want you to go home and disrupt it because there are too many people who do not know about the gospel and do not know how this applies to their life. And so I want you to go back and make a mess and, and, and stir some things up at your parish. Lovingly, of course, not, not, you know, aggressively, but, and so there are plenty of listeners who could do that, or maybe you have a background in uh, teaching. And even if you're retired and maybe you don't want to be a catechist, but could you go and, and, offer to help train the catechists who usually are not professional teachers, but could you teach them things like classroom management and how you get the quiet kids to talk up a little bit more or the loud ones to be quieter? You know, some people have skills in IT and you're looking at what's coming out of your church and you're like, that's a joke. Well, your baptized responsibility. When we say yes to we say yes to the mission and to being a part of the body of Christ. It is our baptized responsibility to bring that to the leadership and say, I, I can help you do that, or I can put a team of people together and we, we can do that. We can do, a, we can do it a little bit better. Uh, let me take that. Uh, so that's what I would say to, you know, to the listeners, to the staff that are listening, we got to get over ourselves. Um, you were not put in that role. We're, we're there to orchestrate the gifts of the community, not to do everything. And there are way too many parishes where the staff is trying to do everything, which means that you're doing a lot of things, but you're not doing it really well. And so that now we're getting a little bit more into the coaching side of it, where we got to teach people how to give it away and how to lead others. Uh, that That's, you know, this, you've been in ministry a long time, uh, Taylor, that, we train our ministers, we hire ministers based upon their theology degree. We don't train them in leadership. We don't train them in management. We don't train them in organizational development um, still to this day. And so they don't know how to do that. And so that's, I don't beat up staff. I'm actually quite empathetic to them, but I want to help them. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's one of those things. Like everything that you that you're just sharing, it's like th- that's just how the body of Christ should work. That one person isn't doing everything. Like you know, we expect the youth minister to be good looking and play an instrument and a great speaker and a great organizer of volunteers and like I mean, who has all of those skills naturally? So I I love this idea of everybody pitching in together through the leadership of the parish, the leadership of the pastor, Rich from Rich Curran. R I C H C U R R A N dot com, Parish Success Group dot com. Thanks so much for joining us today on Forte Catholic. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Yeah, it was a uh, pleasure, is all mine. All right, guys. Uh, just a great things to think about to chew on from Rich. Uh, if you are involved in working in a parish, go check out parishsuccessgroup.com. He can help out your parish to continue to grow. For those of you that are, are parishioners, uh, how can you give back? How can you help? Uh, what skills do you have that you can help your parish continue to come to life? We will be right back this time actually for our last segment of the day. Hey, it's Taylor. Aren't you glad I'm not using voice modulation between these two segments? You're welcome, friends. Hey, I just wanted to stop and take a moment to tell you to go visit the website for all your Forte Catholic needs. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com. You can find old podcast episodes. You can find info on my music, on my speaking. You can find booking information. If you want me to come out to your parish or to ask an event or school, I would love to go check it out. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. It's Taylor here with Sam today. Oh, yeah. Woo. Get a little Michael Jackson going on in here. Sam, you're here just as you were in the first segment. We're going to continue our conversation on my trip to Detroit, which is almost next, which is almost Canada. It's close as I'll ever be. Oh. <laughs> uh, did we talk in the first segment about you You actually lived there? Right. You said I, I lived there for two years, but really it was just about nine months. That's right. That I lived there. I definitely know your story. So <laughs> uh, you lived in Canada. What were some of the things that you saw in Canada that were different than life in America? Um, temperature. <laughs> Yes. Was huge. Yeah, that's it's. It, you would think that'd be an obvious one, but right. but it's probably the most important for people like me. Like, nope, I don't want to go up there. <laughs> it was like we left here, and it was about a hundred and ten degrees when I left Texas and got there. And, and at that night, was February. <laughs> <laughs> and at night, I needed a jacket because I was already cold. And they were like, "Oh, honey, you you might not make it." They're like, "This is this is the hottest it's been in in, in months, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, when we got to really cold, we hit about negative 40, which is really, really cold. Is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? Because they use that other thing. They do. They, they, it's Celsius, but at negative 40, Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same thing. Are they really? Yeah. It's really, that's, really that's, cold. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it's all weird. So uh, I've been in this argument with our friends over at the Coaster Podcast uh, I went on their show a few months ago. They came on on Forte Catholic, and we've we've become friends. We uh, send messages back and forth on Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff. So essentially, our 
our fake Twitter beef is all about. Here's here's my ranking. Texas is the greatest country in the world. Agreed. I mean, it's it's not even up for debate. It's the greatest country in the world. Yes. Uh, America is second. Because, yes. Primarily because Texas is a part of it, and that helps. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so like, the rankings don't go from there. But on, on the totem pole of where Canada lies, here's, here's how I rank the four places that we have been arguing about. Texas ahead by far. Then United States. Then Canada. Okay. Then Alaska, which is fake America and even more north than Canada. <laughs> it's just, why is it even there? Just make up your mind. Become part of Canada or Russia or do your own thing with your dog sleds. Like, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. Alaska. I have we Poor have friends. That, I know we have friends. Uh, hey, John and Paige, how are you? <laughs> Hello. Um, they've been part of this beef as well. So I'm not just like picking on Alaska for the sake of it. I'm picking on my friends. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, it doesn't mean it's not true, though. <laughs> <laughs> so on the latest episode of the Coaster Podcast, which I listened to every episode of, so you should absolutely go check it out. It's a great, great deal. They've they've got going on up there especially that episode i was on that was amazing of course. so um last week celebrated canada day yes you live there what's canada day i actually have never been there for canada day oh that's right because it's in the middle of summer right but that is their like celebration that they try to be like us americans right because they're like oh Here's what we'll do three days before July 4th. We'll show them. We'll have a celebration of our country and shoot fireworks. It's like, good try. You tried to steal our thunder. We won. We won that. Like, right. tomorrow is July 4th. Or if you're listening to this when it airs, it's today or yesterday or four months from ago. Like, I don't, I don't know when you're listening <laughs> to this. Whether you're li- If you're listening on the radio, it was yesterday. If you're listening on the podcast, it can be literally any time later than July 3rd, 2018, because <laughs> it will live on forever. Isn't that terrifying? Sam, someday you're going to be 60 years old and your like, grandchildren can come and listen to you talk about Canada on a Catholic radio show. That is now terrifying. I wasn't terrified. You never now thought I of am. it. I have. Um, no Great. shame. So th- they were talking about Canada Day and some of the differences between Canada and America. Yes. And, my name was brought up. They used my name in vain about eight times. They essentially were arguing with me on a podcast that I wasn't on. So I uh, fought back with them on Twitter, but now I'm going to fight back with the best way I know how with this radio show. <laughs> so uh, one th- just it's mainly just corrections of things that they said or just some questions. And there's one thing that they said that I was like, okay, actually, that's kind of interesting. So... Sam, when you lived in, in Canada for not two years, right. uh, what do they call uh, that fizzy drink th- that is highly sugared with, uh, it comes in cans? Yes. Pop. Okay. They call it pop, which is, which is fine. Like I, a lot of North, even like North, like real America. Like I know they're part of North America, but like <laughs> North, North real of America. the United States of America. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's th- they say pop. Uh or, but here's here's the rub that I have. They said that people in the southern states say soda. That's false. Which, well, okay, some of the south I have heard soda, but here in Texas, what do we call our soda, Sam? 
Coke. It's Coke. So it's like, it doesn't make sense to anybody else in the world, but it's our thing. Right. It's okay. Uh, hey, can I have a Coke? Yeah, what sure. Kind? What kind do you want? Dr. Pepper. Cool. Literally a different brand, but we all know what you mean, right? Right. You want a Coke? What kind? Uh, Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> and don't go to restaurants in Canada and ask for, like, what types of Coke do they have? Because it's Coke or Diet Coke. Because uh, they don't understand. Speaking of drinks, when I went to Detroit, you know what I tried to order 17 times and never got? What? Sweet tea. Texas is the greatest place in the world. <laughs> it's the greatest, greatest place in the world. Yeah, they don't um, really do tea up north. It's like hot. It's, it's, and they it's, put milk in it. It's weird. It's gross. I'm, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> it's nasty. Okay, so uh, one thing that I learned, let's see if you know this. You were there for nine months. Nine months. That thing that you use to cover your head to keep your head warm, like mm-hmm. in the winter, mm-hmm. which is all the time up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call that? Um, like the hat? Yeah. The, oh, uh uh, uh, toque. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a toque, right? Yeah. Shout out to our friend and uh, guest of the show a few weeks ago, Doug Toque. We <laughs> like him. Uh, I guess his name comes from his family used to make beanies, which is what they're called. They're called beanies, right? Beanies. So, like, I own a lot of beanies. I don't have any toques. Uh, so, but I their toques are like super warm, like big, fluffy. Why would I need that? Russia it never hats. gets below ninety-four degrees here. <laughs> This this winter is going to be the worst winter we're going to have in Texas because you said that, by the way. Uh, fine. <laughs> so, I don't think I control the weather. Jesus is like, I will show you a miracle. Yeah. It's just where I am. It's just constantly snowing <laughs> on me. I have a cloud above my head. I wish I had a toque. <laughs> I wish I had a toque. Darn you, Canada. Um, so here's one thing, Sam, that they used in their argument pro-Canada. Okay. They said, you know what makes us better than America? We have $1 coins. Mm, they do. $1 coins are stupid. That's that's my take on this. <laughs> it's a loony. A, they're loony. They're loony. all loony. They're crazy people. And a two, two coin is toony. A loony and a toony. Loony tunes. They're all crazy people. <laughs> so um, here's my theory. $1 coins are stupid for one reason and one reason only. I've never lost a dollar bill, a $10 bill, a $5 bill, a $20 bill. I've never kept a coin. They, I, I've always lost them. Like, they'll fall out of my pocket. Valid. It's like, if I drop it, like, I'm not going to pick up this coin, you know? Like, right. It's like, that's, that's like, coins are dumb. All coins are, I, I, <laughs> I think all coins are dumb. So the fact that you took something that should be a bill and made it a coin is just dumb. I, I do think they do have something going for them with the coins, though, because they don't have pennies. Pennies don't exist. So they always like round up or round down. So you, you don't have to worry about the penny. So they're just stealing from their citizens. <laughs> oh, you owe us one penny. Give us five. That's insane taxation. Well, Come that, on, That Canada. would go down <laughs> versus like higher would go, you know, up. Uh, and you don't have to worry you about. You owe me two and a half cents. <laughs> you don't have to worry about pennies. Pennies annoy me. All right. Let's get into. Uh, uh, here's another thing that I have a, a beef with them on. Okay. They they took two saints that I'm a big fan of. Okay. Father Isaac Jogues, which actually in grad school, I wrote a song about, which I never released. So I'm thinking maybe I should do that. <laughs> um, and uh, I think she's blessed now. Katiri? Blessed or saint? I don't know if she's a saint I now. I don't know if she's a Katiri saint. Katiri Tekawitha. So here's what they said. They said that they're both Canadian. And I just want to just point out to you they are neither Canadian nor American. We definitely share those two saints. Yes, did they minister in in Ontario 
And in Montreal, uh, sh- sure. And Quebec, one of them went to Quebec. Quebec. Qu- Quebec. I thought it was Quebec. No? Okay. I was trying to <laughs> be like them, and I guess I was wrong. So, uh, but both of them spent much of their life in New York. Like, Isaac Jones died in New York. So you can't just claim a saint that we shared. That's that's not how we do this. Right. It's confusing. She is a saint, it says on here. Yeah, I, I knew you. something just happened last year. I didn't know if she was made a blessed or made a saint, but I, I think she is Saint Saint Kateri now. I guess because she's buried in Canada. That's why they say... They, they stole her. <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic coaster. Not Canada as a, as, a, as a whole. The coaster podcast stole her. So... All right, those are those are my uh, those are my frustrations. Here are the two things. All right, I can't I can't just completely bash them. Um, <clears throat> the two things that I thought were actually quite interesting. One, basketball is my first love. It's the first thing I ever fell in love with. Mm-hmm. The guy who invented it's Canadian. Oh. I had no idea. I knew like he was up north because I knew like the story of like there it was cold. So they were forced to go inside. So he built these like wicker baskets and they, the athletes played an indoor game. Like I knew it was, I just always thought it was like North in America. Right. Well, yeah. But, but it's in again, <laughs> North America, but not North in America. Right. So that, that I'll actually have to give him a point on that. I've taken five points away. They get one back. So now they're Ding. at negative four. Um, the other thing is, which I also think is really funny because there was just this huge Twitter storm. That we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks with one of the priests, Father Goyo, uh, who was involved in this Twitter storm. But it's like everybody that's involved in Catholic Twitter was arguing about multiple things. Well, I promise we'll get into it in a couple of weeks. Just look for the episode with Father Goyo in, in, a, in a few weeks. But uh, one of the big things we we're arguing about was uh, appropriate toppings for pizza. And me and all these priests on Twitter were going at it. They were like, you should put fish on pizza because Jesus loved fish. I was like, no, that's gross. And Jesus never put pizza on fi- or fish on pizza. <laughs> he never put pizza on fish. That is or, or, just rude. E- either one. He multiplied both. <laughs> he multiplied bread. There was no cheese mentioned. Um, but here's what Canada has going for. This blows me away. Hawaiian pizza, which was the gateway pizza to me just liking pineapple pizza. It's called Hawaiian, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd think, where, where if Hawaiian pizza, where do you think Hawaiian pizza would be invented, Sam? Hawaii. Right. That would be wrong. Oh. <laughs> it was invented in Canada, which I, this, this shows you how much power Canada doesn't have. There are two ingredients, or two toppings. I don't know all the ingredients in pizza, <laughs> but two toppings on this pizza. There is pineapple and Canadian bacon. Okay. Okay. So it's invented in Canada. With one of the ingre- inve- uh, toppings being Canadian bacon, and somehow this island that America took over got to name it. <laughs> it's called Hawaiian pizza. It's amazing. So uh, no points given or taken there. It's just kind of even the <laughs> moot <laughs> point. So um, I think we've decided it. Texas is definitely better than Canada. Definitely. Okay, so here's my challenge to the guys over at the Catholic the Catholic Coaster, the Coaster Podcast. It's confusing. They're like Catholic Coaster on social media, but it's just called the Coaster Podcast. It's a podcast that so happens to be Catholic. Here's my challenge. I want them to do a segment talking like a Texan. Oh. And if they do that, 
I will do. I will try my best to do a segment <laughs> talking as a Canadian. That's amazing. I I have no idea how to do that, other than the few things that I can pick up from them. But Sam, since you lived there for seventeen years, not seventeen. <laughs> it's getting worse. It is since you lived there your entire life, and you are currently there now. I'm, I'm uh, not there right now. Uh, okay, so <laughs> you live there. You know how they talk. Why don't you do your impersonation just as a taste for what this could be like? Yeah. Uh, oh, don't you know those Canadians up there, those hoisers and such, they have so much fun with their bigs and all kinds of things with their pop and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Ice fishing. Ice fishing. <laughs> oh, they're hockey. Oh, they're hockeys. That's they're a very hockey. big deal. They're hockey. It is. It's crazy. So, that, that's okay. That's good, right? That's my challenge. I, I also promised in the first second, we had to talk about this crazy mass. And Sam, you haven't heard this story yet. So pay attention for once. Okay. Okay. So I go to mass and I'm greeted by this, by this priest who is obviously foreign. Let's just say that, right? Um, obviously from out of the country. <clears throat> Greets me. And I, I, you know, he welcomes me, and I, literally the first person to greet me in the mass. I go sit at my pew. He walks in. He says, "I'm Bishop so and so from insert country here." I'm like, "This guy's a bishop." Like, first of all, that's so cool to just be greeted at the church by a bishop in Detroit by a bishop from another country. That is pretty cool. Here's the crazy thing: the cantor, which is the person that le- that sings, leads the music, was w- Sam was wearing a T-shirt. What? I was wearing a t-shirt up at like the, the not the ambo, but the other thing that looks like an ambo that the cantor sings from. Right. Wearing a t-shirt with a bishop. Was it not, was it like a Jesus shirt? Like they were just on no, like no, a no. camp or something? Like a t-shirt kind of like I'm wearing now. Like it's not, oh. not a ratty t-shirt. Like I'm wearing a, a t-shirt made by Polo. Right. But it's still a t-shirt. It's not good enough. Right. 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 So here's the, here's the thing. He's, all these crazy things happen. The cantor's wearing a t-shirt. Uh, during the homily, this or before we get the, okay, the homily, <laughs> this bishop, it's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. It's a bishop, right? And he's foreign, so he has an accent. So I'm like, okay, do I pay attention or do I check out? That's the only choice that <laughs> you, you have. Pay there. attention. So uh, <laughs> I I'd lock in with this guy, and okay. it, it's it's on the feast of John the Baptist, and he starts talking about how okay, uh, he saw this painting, right? And the painting of John the Baptist is pointing at the crucifixion, pointing towards Jesus, and so is Mary. And like Mary and John the Baptist jobs are both to point towards Jesus. It's like, okay, that's cool. But he was like, Yeah, we've thought for years that it was John the Apostle, the beloved, the beloved John the Beloved, that was at the cross. It's actually John the Baptist because I saw it in this painting. And I'm like, uh, first of all, that's incorrect. Because it definitely says in the scriptures that it was John the Beloved Apostle. Second of all, Sam, where was John the Baptist at this time in his life? Pretty dead. His life was over. He was dead. His head was on a platter. So, crazy mass, crazy things. Here's the deal. Catholics can be crazy, but I love Catholicism. So, uh, we'll keep some of these stories going next week. This has been Taylor Stroll with Forte Catholic. Say it!